If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Good morning. Good morning. You are all looking lovely today. Charlie, you're always looking good, buddy. Always looking good. Man, you're one of the reasons I come to church, to see you. But even more so, that pretty lady sitting next to you, I'll have to admit. Uh, praise God. I, this Scrooge play is going to be great. It's just going to be great. It's another opportunity. Well, the reason we're called One Cause Church, because we believe in the one cause of Christ. That is his gospel, his gospel message that saves men's lives. It is a, a message that God has brought to us that brings us into a right relationship with God. It's words, it's words that save us. It's amazing to me. It was words that created everything. Why wouldn't it be words that would recreate us and make us a whole new creation in Christ? It is this. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. Whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. I love that. It's so simple. God makes it easy for all men to come. Jesus did all the hard part. Jesus did the difficult thing so that the way for us would be easy to God. All right? Amen. It's simple. It's simple faith in him, confessing Jesus is Lord and everything changes. At this production, we're going to have, give everybody the opportunity to hear the gospel. Faith comes by hearing. Amen. So they're going to hear it. They're going to hear the, the, the gospel of Christ and, and have the opportunity, praise God, to receive him and to become a whole new creation. That's why we're here. Yes. And I'm happy to be a part of that. Uh, like, like Heather said, there's a couple of characters, new characters, a couple of new angels this year that are just going to be fascinating. Actually, all three of them are new. Our, our ghost of our angel of the future just wait till you see how ominous this angel is. It's really extraordinary. So Friday night, Saturday night at 7, and Sunday night at 6 o'clock. You don't want to miss it. All right. Everybody glad you came to church so far? I'm glad, I'm glad you came too. And I really appreciate the worship team just being creative and doing something different. How about that stand-up bass? Wasn't that cool? Yeah. Hey, stuff, John. Amen. And for all of you who are here with us for the very first time, I want to say welcome to you. And uh, we believe that you are an answer to prayer because we're continually thanking God for those that are here and those that are coming. And I want you to consider yourself at home. And if you choose One Cause Church as your church, we are happy to have you. And uh, you just integrate yourself right into this family. Because what I've found about this church, I've been in lots of churches in my life, but this is the friendliest, lovingest church family I've ever been a part of. And uh, I am honored to pastor such a great people. Honored to be here in this, this great city and to do great things for God. That being said, let's take our Bibles and turn over to the book of Judges, chapter 3. Today, I'm going to talk to you about the delivering power of the Word. We just finished our series on God said, the promises of God. Today, we're going to talk about the delivering power that, in, that is in God's Word. If you've ever read, how many of you have ever read the book of Judges here? Raise your hand. Book of Judges. Christians like the word judge, so I figured a lot of you guys would, I'm <laughs> just kidding, <laughs> I hope you don't like that, you shouldn't be judging them, <laughs> uh, but read, you read the book of Judges, and if you want to get frustrated about anything, that's the book to read, 
It's so up and down. I mean, the children of Israel, we're going to see here in a moment, they did evil inside the Lord, and then God would raise up a deliverer, would raise up a judge, and then they would be free for a while, and then they would do evil again in the sight of the Lord, and then the Lord would raise up a deliverer because they'd cry out to him for help. And it's, that is the theme of that book. It's, it's maddening. But one thing about it is, I mean, maddening on their part, but what's amazing is to see that God always continually extended grace to them. And this is before Christ came. God has always been gracious. He's always been loving, especially toward his own people. Verse 12 of Judges 3, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Today we're going to learn four things. Make the word personal. Never let the size of your problem dictate your actions. Deal with your trouble on violent terms and speak faith words. Verse 12, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord again. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel. That just sounds like a bad guy, doesn't it? Eglon. <laughs> because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Then he gathered to himself the people of Ammon and Amalek, went and defeated Israel, and took possession of the city of Palms. So the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, 18 years. Verse 15, but when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them. And you know, what this shows us about the, gr the grace of God, the goodness of God, is that when people cry out to him, he always responds. Yeah. He always responds, and he ultimately responded with the deliverer of all time, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who became the once-for-all sacrifice for our sins. I love yeah. that. His blood thoroughly cleansed us from all of our sins. Amen. That's the ultimate deliverance and brought us into a right relationship with God through what he did here it says, the Lord raised up a deliverer. Echud. Everybody say, Echud. That's the only time we're going to say it. We're in Texas, so his name is Ehud. All right? <laughs> Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. Any left-handers in here? By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, Ehud made himself a dagger. It was double-edged and a cubit in length and fastened it under his clothes on his thigh. It is a cubit in length. That's about this, this long, about 18 inches. And this is no little pocket knife. I mean, this is a knife now. And he put it under his garments and he fastened it to his right thigh. So it's right up against him. The first thing that we learn from here is to make the word of God personal. Bring it in close to you. Bring it in close to your life. The Word of God is meant for you to get it in your mouth, to get it in your mouth so that you can live its kind of life. You can live its truth. You can live its reality. But it's more than about, more than about just, just, just going to church and more, more than just, just reading the Word of God, but you make it personal when you get it in your mouth because our life is dictated by the words that are coming out of our mouth. The scripture clearly teaches us that the life, your life, follows your tongue. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So it's important that when we say what God has said, then we give our life all the potential to follow, hallelujah, where yeah. our tongue is leading us. Now, your tongue can lead to destruction and your life can go there, right? If you want to stay married, quit saying the word divorce. You are working against yourself. Amen. You are hurting yourself. Yes. Oh, I love you so much. But times get rough. You start bringing up that word. You do that long enough. Then you, over time, you begin to convince yourself that's the answer. Yes. 
right? That's not the answer. I'm not here to throw rocks at anybody, all right? If you've got a divorce, there's grace for you. I'm here to say that is a way by the words that come out of your mouth, your life follows those words. Heather and I made the, made the decision years and years ago. We've been married over 18 years, and we, in today's standards, we had lots of reasons to get a divorce, right? Because we didn't feel love anymore, right? I don't always feel, especially her, I'm sure she especially doesn't always feel like she loves me. But love is not a feeling, it is a choice. It's not something you've fallen in out of, it's something that you choose to do. Amen. And you stand up that altar and you make promises to one another and then you live your life based on what you promise. Isn't that cool that your wedding, your marriage starts with words? Promises that you're going to make to one another because there are times when the feeling ain't there. The goosebumps ain't there. The romance isn't there. Right? It has been sucked out of the room. Right? And everything about this person you start to hate all of a sudden. What once was cute and nice. Now it's annoying. So you choose. You just have to choose to love. You have to choose to love. Because at the end of the day, love's not a feeling. God is love. Amen. Amen. And you don't have to be married very long before you figure out that it's a choice. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, what did I get myself into here? Huh? I mean, think about it. Adam went to sleep. And woke up married. I mean, that guy didn't have much choice in the deal, right? Like, I don't Actually, he thought that was a pretty good deal. But first words out of his mouth were, whoa, man. And so that's what they called her. Woman. That has nothing to do with this message. I don't even know how I went off that far. I'm sorry. Forgive me for getting away from my notes. All right. Make the word personal. Listen to me, because if you don't make the word personal, then you really don't, won't know what it says. All right. I learned those scriptures because, not because I'm a preacher's kid, not because my dad hammered the Bible over my head, but I learned it just because I read it and I spent time in it. And over the years, just getting to know it and memorizing it, it has become a very real thing in my life. It's beautiful, the word of God. And I've seen its power at work and I've seen the promises of God come to life in my life. And it's important, but that didn't happen until I made it personal. It didn't come automatically just because I was a preacher's kid, I got in all the good stuff. I had to learn this deal. That when I made it personal, then it's at that moment that it became real to me. Because if you don't, then then you'll find yourself when when you're backed up against the wall, when you're in trouble and you need the answer, you might not know exactly where to find it. Like that couple who was getting married and they wanted 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, put on their wedding cake, which says, perfect love casts out all fear. Well, apparently there was some kind of mistake. They didn't get the one at the bakery. They just saw John 4.18 rather than 1 John 4.18. And so on the cake was written out in icing, John 4, 18, for you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. So that's a, it's not a good deal to not know the Word of God, all right? It's like Al Gore. Al Gore years ago said, his, my favorite scripture that I lean on is John 16, 3. He meant to say John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. John 16, 3 says, these things they will do because they know neither me nor the Father. So, 
It's kind of prophetic, I think, more than anything. All right. Look, make the word personal. Make the word personal. Say that with me. Make the word personal. He put it up against his thigh. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, what he did, Jesus even quoted this later uh, when, when he came to earth. He quoted this. Actually, this isn't really Jesus quoting this. It's really him, this quoting Jesus, because <laughs> he is the word. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your might. And he taught us this. And Jesus said, if you love me, then you'll keep my commands. You'll keep my word. And what's interesting here, right after he gives Israel, the, his children, the people of God, this, this commandment to love the Lord with everything in them, then he pretty much gives them a prescription of how to do it. Now watch this. Verse 6 of Deuteronomy chapter uh, four, uh, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. All right, now watch this one thing. The words shall be where? You shall teach them diligently to your children, too. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, three. You, when you walk by the way, four. When you lie down, five. When you rise up, six. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, seven. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, eight. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house, nine. And on your gates. He gives us a 10-point prescription of how to love God. And that is to be obsessed about his word. To get his word all around you, to keep yourself in the environment of his word. When you get up in the morning, let it be the first thing off your lips. When you go to bed at night, proclaim his word. Teach your children the word of God. There's, just talk about it all the time. He says, put it, put it on your hand. I don't know. I don't know if that means tattoo or not, but either way, uh, get the word of God on you. Right? Get the word of God in there. Speak the word of God. Keep yourself in the environment of his word. Make that word personal. Make it your own. Anybody can live this if they'll declare it. Yeah. I'm going to say that yeah. again. Anybody can live it if they'll declare it. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I don't have an advantage over any of you today concerning my relationship with God, concerning the, the Word of God working in my life. I'm just like you. Yeah. We're all human beings. It's just putting these things to practice. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Everybody say, make the word personal. Now watch, verse 17. So he brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. Number two thing we need to realize is that never let the size of your problem dictate your actions. Never let the size of your problem dictate your actions. Do me a favor, put your hand in front of your face, right up next to your eyes. Keep your eyes open so you can still see. And now what is the biggest thing you see right now? Is your hand the biggest thing in this room? No, it's not the biggest thing in this room, but to your eyes right now, it looks that way. Why? Because it's the closest thing to your eyes. Now put it out at arm's distance. See, now you have real perspective on the size of your hand compared to everything else. It's not bigger than this room, but when it's the thing before you, it's the largest thing. That's why you cannot allow your circumstances, the things that you see, to dictate how you're going to act. You have to be dictated by a gauge on the inside of you. That's called the Word of God that teaches you how to go what to say, what to do. Are you hearing me? That has to be the thing because your problems are sometimes looming over you like a giant, like a very fat man. 
And that can be very intimidating at times. And if you're not sure of who you are, if you've not made that word personal, if you've not taken it inside of you and believed its truth and believed in its power, because compared to these circumstances out here, I mean, the word cancer is a very frightening word in our society. Frightening. And sometimes when you're declaring the word of God, the promise of God against such uh, 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 insurmountable odds, it just seems so small compared to the bigness of this trouble that you're facing. But I want to tell you that word of God is stronger and it's more powerful than any other word out there. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 4 for a moment. I want to show you something today that's going to set you free. This is going to build you up. This is going to bless you. Hebrews chapter 4. Now, you know this verse of Scripture. Most of you know it. It's verse 12, and it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The fact that the Word of God is so sharp, so powerful, it can divide soul from the Spirit, nothing like it. But it said, it is living and what? Powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That word two-edged, if you look it up in the Greek, it means twice spoken. Twice spoken. That is, God has said it and you say it. God says it, that's one edge. You say it, that's the other edge. And at that moment, that sword, the word of the living God becomes more powerful than any other word that is twice spoken out there. So it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what, the, what, what, what society says. It doesn't matter what the devil says. It doesn't matter what the, what the doctor says. It doesn't matter what the bankers, none of that matters. Amen. It's what God says and you say. Yes. And at that moment, nothing can stop that irresistible force. Amen. Amen. It becomes the most powerful weapon in the universe. Yes. But you have to believe that. Uh-huh. See, Jesus didn't have any problem at all believing in the power of the Word of God. The Scripture teaches us over in Luke chapter 4 that the Spirit of God brought Jesus out to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil because there was nothing that the devil had on Jesus, Right? There was nothing in Jesus that, w- that could be lured out to the desert by the devil. So the spirit had to say, all right, go. it's time to be, go be tempted now. So Jesus shows up out there. He's fasting for 40 days. Obviously, he's hungry. 40 minutes, and I'm hungry. 40 days. Dead, probably. <laughs> and the devil comes to tempt him. Three different temptations. And he started it off by saying, if you are the Son of God. First of all, making, questioning Jesus' person. If you are who you say you are. And that's what he'll do to you. Uh Oh, really? Are you you really a Christian? Uh Right? Uh If you're really a Christian. You have the world talking to you like that sometimes. Uh Oh, really? And you call yourself a Christian. Oh, oh, there's a Christian. They don't know no better. Now watch. He tempts him. He says, command these stones to be turned to bread. And then Jesus said three words that we can all say. It is written. Now if I'm Jesus, I think I'm going to show off a little bit. Right? 
maybe an uppercut to the chin, you know, send him out into the cosmos and wait for him to fly back down to earth and tempt me again. Whatever, I don't know. Chop him up into a thousand pieces and put him all back together and say, how'd you like that? I don't know. Snap his finger and watch him dissipate. I don't, he could do any of that. I mean, he's the son of the living God. But he said, it is written. And so then the devil tempted again. And he said, it is written. And the devil tempted him again. He said, it is written. Every time, Jesus just simply quoted the Bible. Because as a man on this earth, he knew that that was the highest authority that he could do. He could bring to the world. He knew that was the highest authority. It was the word of the living God. So all he had to do was speak the most authoritative word. And guess what? It dealt with the devil. It dealt with the trouble. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the devil left him. (laughs) Isn't this beautiful? Of all, all the things that the son of the living God could do to fight, he simply quoted the scriptures. And he did that so that you and I could have hope that all we need is to make that word personal. All we need is to understand the power of the word of God above any kind or any size of problem that's out there. It doesn't matter because if God is for you, who can be against you? Amen. Amen. If you're determined to fight The truth is your enemy is absolutely no match for you because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Verse 18 of Judges 3, and when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the tribute. This is is Ehud. But he himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. And he said, keep silence. And all who attended him went out from him. So now, here it is. It's just Ehud and it's just Eglon. Ehud has sent his guys away. And he says, I got a secret message. He says, oh, let, hang on a second. And he gets rid of his guys. So it's just these two men. Now watch. So Ehud came to him, verse 20. Now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber. Then, I want a cool private chamber. <laughs> then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he arose from his seat. Then Ehud reached with his left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh, thrust it into his belly. Even the hilt went in after the blade. This ain't no little prick. This is a stab now. I mean, this dude got stabbed. The hilt went after the blade. Now watch. And the fat closed over the blade. For he did not draw the dagger out of his belly, and his entrails came out. I mean, the dude just got stabbed. I like the way the King James Version says, and the dirt came out. Hey, the Word of God clean you up. It'll get the dirt out. You know, Jesus said, you're already clean by the Word of God. You're already, he's telling the disciples, you're already clean because of the Word. Nothing will clean you up like the Word of the living God. It's beautiful. It does all the work. All you have to do is work it. Now watch this. The third thing we see here is deal with your trouble on violent terms. Because I want to remind you today that you do have an enemy. You have an enemy that hates you. He is out to destroy you. He wants to do everything he can to annihilate you. The Bible says, Jesus taught us in John chapter 10, he says, The thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. So he's going to be violent if you're not going to be violent. All right, Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So there's no day off, Christian. (laughs) You're either overcoming or you're being overcome. All right, you are in a war. Welcome to the war. But the cool thing is the war's already won. 
Jesus already secured your victory. All you have to do is carry it out through the good fight of faith. Yeah. Right? That is just getting his word in your mouth, declaring what God has said, and establishing his kingdom on the earth through the declaring of his word. Now, the South American Indians, they learned to hunt these wild ducks. And they learned to hunt wild ducks with pumpkins of all things. Pumpkins. They would put these pumpkins in this river and they would float down toward the ducks. Well, the first time as those pumpkins would approach the ducks, they would freak out and fly off. But then they just kept sending more pumpkins down the river. Just more pumpkins, more pumpkins. After a while, the more pumpkins would come, the more comfortable the ducks would get with the pumpkins that were coming down the river. They apparently talked amongst themselves and all came to a meeting and decided with a unanimous vote, pumpkins don't hurt ducks. They send so many pumpkins down the river that now, after a while of doing that, the pumpkins are just bumping into the ducks as they're making their way down the river. And once the South American Indians saw that the ducks no longer were threatened by the pumpkins, they would carve out large pumpkins and put eye slits all through the pumpkins and put it on their head like a helmet and make their way down into the river. And it's just one more floating pumpkin coming by. And the ducks were so comfortable with the pumpkins that the Indian could actually reach under that duck and feel which one was the plumpest, the fattest, and grab a hold of its feet and yank it underwater real fast, snap its neck. Don't y'all love, city people love that kind of talk. Snap its neck. And the other ducks just said, wow, Hal just took a dive. (laughs) To them, it just looked like another duck going underwater to get something to eat. And this is how they harvested ducks, by making the ducks believe that pumpkins don't hurt ducks. Your enemy is crafty. He's crafty. And he sends these little things out there, a little bit of bait out there and says, try this. And at first you go, no, 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 that's not, I'm not going to watch that. I don't watch that. I'm not going to say that. I don't say that. But over time... He continues to throw that bait out there, continues to just, it ain't going to hurt nothing. What's it going to hurt? Who's going to know? Who's going to see? Nobody's going to see. Before long, you allow its influence to work on you, and you'll find yourself doing things that you never would have done before, making decisions because you've weakened yourself to believe that it won't hurt this time, that it's really not that big of a deal, and you begin to justify, and you begin to make excuses until long... You have set yourself to, up to be prey to the one who is defeated. Yes. Pray to the one who Jesus came to make a public spectacle of. He did that for you, Jesus did. And the scripture says the devil roams about like a roaring lion. Now, he's not a lion. He just sounds like one. He's a, uh-huh. he's a little, I don't know what he is. But he's just got a big mouth. That's all it's telling us. Amen. He's just got a big mouth. And he boasts great things. And he can sound really fierce and ferocious. But guess what? He's not. But the moment you empower him, the moment you relinquish authority to him, is the moment that he can wreak havoc in your life. He roams about seeking whom he may devour. He can't just go do whatever he wants to. He's only, he can only do what he is permitted to do. Uh-huh. 
Amen. Amen. We don't like to hear that because that makes us responsible. Amen. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the trouble in our life has come because of the choices that we made. Amen. Amen. So you can make new choices today. You might not like where you are, but that's the cool thing about God. There's grace that abounds to you, and you can make a new choice today. Free will is yours. Choice is yours. Amen. So you have to deal with the enemy on violent terms. That is, you need to speak the word. You need to get that sword of the spirit up because the truth is you're really no match for the devil. I know some of you have a, you know, you, you thought if the devil was here, I would beat him up. No, 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 you wouldn't. You can't. All right. But the word of God is the sure thing that will make him tuck his tail and flee. Are you okay? So Jesus already won this war. All you have to do is enforce the victory. The greatest violence that you can unleash on the kingdom of darkness is your faith in God. Believe the word of God and speak the word of God. Amen. Apply the full force of that word. Don't stop until you're living that promise. Don't let your trouble shut your mouth. If you've said it a thousand times, say it a thousand more. Don't settle. Don't give up. Believe in the word. Believe his promise. Believe that God is who he says he is and believe that his word is true and it's true for you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Don't give up in the fight. The Bible says that you will reap if you won't lose heart. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in doing good. Amen. All right. Verse 23. Then Ehud went out through the porch and shut the doors after he stabbed this guy. Shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. And when he had gone out, Eglon's servants came to look. And to their surprise, the doors of the upper room were locked. So they said, he's probably attending to his needs in the cool chamber. So they waited till they were embarrassed. And still he had not opened the doors of the upper room. Therefore, they took the key and opened them. And there was their master fallen dead on the floor. But Ehud had escaped while they delayed and passed beyond the stone images and escaped to Syrah. And it happened when he had arrived that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel went down with him from the mountains. And he led them. Then he said to them, Follow me, for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hands. Kill one guy. And he tells everybody, the Lord delivered your enemies into our hands. Killed one guy. As far as he was concerned, that deal was done. And so he began to declare to everybody that this war is won. Let's go get them. He'd only kill one guy. See, you got to speak faith words. Yeah. You have to speak what the faith words are what God has said. They believe, calling those things that be not as though they were. Not calling those things that be as though they are not. You know the difference between Christianity and Scientology? Scientology is calling those things that be as though they're not. I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. This is not real, right? It's not faith. Faith calls those things that be not as though they are. That is, if your body's sick, you say, by his stripes I am healed. Yeah. Amen. Not denying the facts. It's declaring the truth. Amen. Amen. You just know, you just live by a higher law. 
called the Word. God honors His Word. He exalts His own Word even above His own name. So you can trust Him. You can rely on Him. You can believe Him. You can take Him at His Word and declare what God has said. Now listen, there are things in your life that you would like to see that you're not seeing. Declare those things. This this building right here started with somebody saying, we need to build a building. Right? It started with words. Everything starts with words. Let light be. Well, this all came about because words were spoken. Amen. Amen. And you are made in the image of God. So you have the very same ability. See, the moment you receive healing, the moment your body begins, it, that healing begins to manifest, or whatever it might be, that relationship gets repaired, is really not the moment that it happened. It happened the moment it got declared. It might take some time for you to see it, for it to be realized, but the moment you declare it is the moment that it's real. Are you hearing me? Amen. The moment you are in faith about it is the moment, because faith is now. Faith, now faith is a substance of things hoped for. Right? You're living in the reality and faith right now. But imitate those who, faith, who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Yes. Seed, time, and harvest. Right? Yes. So faith is that resolve that no matter what. This is, what, this is how our nation got birthed, for Pete's sake. Yes. We don't, the, the Revolutionary War ended... Anybody know when the Revolutionary War ended? You know? Any history, history teachers here? When the Revolutionary... You guys don't know when the most important war in our history ended? 1778? Nope. Nope. A lot of people would say July 4th, 1776. It was October the 19th, 1781, when Cornwallis surrendered. 17, does that date ring a bell to anybody in here? October the 19th, 1781. We didn't even, we didn't even make a deal of it. I don't even think it's even on our calendars. When the most significant war in American history ended. But there is a date that we do acknowledge, July 4th. 1776, four, year, four years and a few months, whatever, prior to October 19, 1781. That's what I love about America. That was the day that they signed the Declaration of Independence, the day that we declared we're free without having finished the war. That's something we all need to remember today and learn as, remember as Americans and learn as the children of God. That the day that the enemy says the war's over is not the day that matters to you. It's the day that you decide I'm free. It's the day that you decide that the word of God is true. We don't celebrate when Cornwallis surrendered. We celebrate when we said we are free. It doesn't matter what war is ahead of us. It doesn't matter how many times we got to shoot a gun. It doesn't matter where it takes us. We are free. It doesn't matter how many years it takes to get it. We are free. And with that resolve in your heart, ladies and gentlemen, you'll win every time. So don't wait for everything to line up and be perfect before you can say, okay, finally it's done. No, you say it's done now. I'm not standing for this anymore. 
I'm going to believe God. I'm going to take him at his word, and I'm going to stay right here, and I'm going to fight, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. I don't care how long it takes. I am free. Speak faith words. Children of Israel, by the way, let's look what happened. Let's see if it worked. So they went down after him, seized the fords of Jordan leading to Moab and did not allow anyone to cross over. And at that time, they killed about 10,000 men of Moab, all stout men of valor. That don't matter. That doesn't matter. Once you realize God's on your side, it don't matter how good a fight, fighter this person is. He don't stand a chance. Amen. All stout men of valor, not a man escaped. I'd say it worked. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel and the land had rest for 80 years. One last thought on that. How you apply the word in your life can and will affect the up and coming generation. You want to pave a pathway of peace for your children? Become a person of the word. Declare your, teach them the word. Live the word. You'll save your kids so many headaches. I know that I live a blessed life. A lot of it has to do because my parents chose a path to follow God. And I'm reaping the benefits of that right now. And I'm doing everything I can to do that for my children, for my children's children. See, it don't matter where you came from. What are you doing right now? All of your children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. I want that for my kids. As good as my life is, I still have had things happen in my life I don't want my children to have to go through. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Make the word personal. Never let the size of your problem dictate your actions. Deal with your trouble on violent terms and speak faith words. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, I want to say thank you now for this time in your presence and for your precious word. We honor, we honor the living word of God and we thank you, God, for it. And in it, there is life. Lord, may we be diligent. May we be diligent, God, to make your word personal, to not allow circumstances and situations and challenges and problems and tribulations and trials to shadow, to cast shadows on our faith, but God, to believe that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, no matter what odds we may be facing. All we need to know is God plus me is a majority. Father God, that we would remember that we are in a war, that the enemy is doing his best to take us out so that we'll stand strong in the word and deal with him on violent terms by declaring your word. He is no match. That God, that we will be a people who will speak faith words, be people who stand in our authority as the children of the living God, and act like our Father in heaven who created us to call those things that be not as though they are. Lord, bless my church family here today. Bless all those that are with us, our special guests. Lord, I thank you for your grace and peace to be multiplied to all here today. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.